Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, welcome, it's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. I am delighted to have you. Truth be told, I am, well, ready to move on from all the conversations about Trump and the indictment in large part because we're going to spend a whole lot of time tomorrow on it. But I will take your phone calls if you have any questions about it. However, I want to move on to something else here. The Chinese spy balloon. Arguably, this is a more important story than Donald Trump's uh, heading to New York City. Um, I want to play you this audio from Joe Biden from February 16th to really set the tone of what we're talking about. Because we knew its path, we were able to protect sensitive sites against collection. We waited until it was safely over water, which would not only protect civilians, but also enable us to recover substantial components for further analysts, for, for, for further analytics. And then we shot it down. That was Joe Biden talking about the Chinese spy balloon that traversed the nation where he and his friends in the media assured us repeatedly that they had everything under control and they were flying uh, jamming planes around the balloon so that they couldn't actually collect any sort of data. And now, here on April 3rd, about two months removed from the balloon flying over the United States, the truth comes out. This is from Courtney Kuby and Carol Lee at NBC. The Chinese spy balloon that flew across the U.S. was able to gather intelligence from several sensitive American military bases despite the Biden administration's efforts to block it from doing so, according to two current senior U.S. officials and one former senior administration official. One former senior administration official. Who's left? Who would know? Is it Ron Klain? I don't know. China was able to control the balloon so it could make multiple passes over some of the sites at times flying figure eight formations and transmit the information it collected back to Beijing in real time, the three officials said. The intelligence China collected was mostly from electronic signals, which can be picked up from weapon systems or include communications from base personnel rather than images. The three officials said China could have gathered much more intelligence from sensitive sites if not for the administration's efforts to move around potential targets and obscure the balloon's ability to pick up their electronic signals by stopping them from broadcasting or emitting signals. The National Security Council referred NBC News to the Defense Department for comment. The Defense Department directed NBC News to comment senior officials made in February that the balloon had limited additive value for intelligence collection by the Chinese government over and above what China is likely able to get through things like satellites. China said repeatedly the balloon was an unmanned civilian airship that accidentally strayed off course, and the U.S. overreacted. Officials have not said which company, department, or organization the balloon belonged to. The Biden administration said it was capable of collecting signals intelligence. The balloon had a self-destruct mechanism that could have been activated remotely by China, but the official said it's not clear if that didn't happen because the mechanism malfunctioned or because China decided not to trigger it. Okay, so 
Let's put this all in perspective. The Biden administration told us in February that it really couldn't get too much information. There was really no need to freak out about it, and they had no reason to shut it down immediately or blow it up. They could just wait for it to sail all the way across the United States of America, get into the Atlantic Ocean, and then shoot it down. And now, two months later, after everybody's forgotten it, now comes the truth from three officials senior officials, one of whom has left the White House. And now they're admitting that actually China was able to get a, a great deal of electronic intelligence, and we were not as successful in blocking the transmission of that information as we presumed that we would. It was all for show by the Biden administration. No one, of course, is willing to acknowledge they should have shot it down at the time. Y'all, have you ever been to the upper Northwest? Believe it or not, there is actually not a massive pile of humanity up there. It is open, empty space. You could have shot this thing down if you wanted to, Mr. President. It would not have landed on anyone other than gophers, maybe a wolf. It could have taken on an endangered species, I guess. But it would have happened. Interestingly enough, China was able to steer this thing. This is something new we're learning as well. China had some sort of remote capability to steer the balloon and figure eight patterns to make sure in the jet stream it had propellers in order to keep it near stationary above certain U.S. military bases. That is new as well. What is also new is it had a self-destruct capability that was not activated. In other words... And this is important. In other words, it was far more sophisticated than what the government wanted us to believe. And in fact, the government knew it at the time. How do we know the government knew it at the time? Because one of the officials has already left the government and had this information. The balloon entered our airspace in Alaska on January 28th. Remember, originally, the Biden administration said they weren't aware of the balloon until it entered American airspace. Only later did we learn that, too, was a lie. The Biden administration had been tracking the balloon since it lifted off in China. Additionally, originally, the Biden administration said they had reason to believe it had probably blown off course and was not intended to come into American airspace. Now we know not only was it intended to come into American airspace, but the Chinese could steer it. Essentially, everything they said is a lie. Everything the Biden administration said about the Chinese spy balloon at the time was a lie. All of it. They lied to the American public. What do you think that signals to China? My guess is it signals to China several things. One, weakness. Two, U.S. inferior capabilities. Three, the Biden administration is scared of China and unwilling to rock relations with China. At the time... This is from NBC News. The U.S. government said it waited to shoot the balloon down until it was over the ocean to avoid any damage or casualties on the ground. The balloon 
which was nearly as large as three school buses, would have had a large debris field that U.S. officials could not control as it fell to earth. U.S. military commanders had determined downing the balloon while over land posed an undue risk to people across a wide area due to the size and altitude of the balloon and its surveillance payload. Officials have tried to reconstruct the balloon from the recovered degree. They're not actually interested in the balloon. They're interested in what it had underneath it. Again, this, this is a key point here. This can't be emphasized enough. The Biden administration knew that this balloon was in the air and had left China and had monitored it since it left China and lied to us and said they didn't know about it until it was over Alaska. Then the Biden administration lied to us and said they presumed it had blown off course when, in fact, we now know that the balloon had a steering mechanism that allowed the Chinese to control where it went. Then the Biden administration lied to us and said it wasn't capable of gathering much more than a low-altitude satellite could gather, when in fact they're now willing to admit China could steer the thing, hold it over military bases, and get not just signals but electronic intelligence that a low-altitude satellite balloon would not, or satellite would not have been able to get. They lied to us, they lied to us, they lied to us, they lied to us time and time again. And notice that so many people in the American media continue to give this president a pass. If Donald Trump, all you got to do is say, if Donald Trump, if Donald Trump lied to the American people about uh, when they knew about the balloon, if Donald Trump lied to the American people about the ability of the balloon to steer itself, if Donald Trump lied to the American people about the ability of the balloon to collect intelligence, if Donald Trump lied to people about the ability to destroy the balloon, if Donald Trump lied to the American public about a Chinese spy balloon like this, the media would be furious. In fact, you'll also recall another Biden lie I now remember was that this happened during the Trump administration. We now know that's not true either. No Chinese spy balloon transited the United States hovering over military installations for extended time. That's not true. The Biden administration lied about that as well. What we have here is the Biden administration's damage control is a series of lies designed to put them in the best possible light, but not actually tell the American people the truth of what happened. That signals so much to the communists in China. That signals weakness. That signals a deference to China. That signals an inability to take strong action for national security. That signals a host of things about Joe Biden and the United States, none of which are good for us in the eyes of China. We look weak to China. And in fact, more and more information continues to come out. In fact, that the Chinese are escalating military plans in the Pacific, knowing that we don't have what it takes to stop them. Our supply chains are overwhelmed. Our weapon stocks are running low. The Biden administration, I, I'm still in the camp that we need to help Ukraine. I, I still think we need to help Ukraine because if we don't support Ukraine while they're killing Russians, at some point our kids are going to have to kill Russians. I still think that's a good thing. But the Biden administration doesn't seem capable of multitasking. They don't seem capable of rebuilding the supply chain. They don't seem capable of rebuilding the weapon stocks. They don't seem capable of bringing antitrust concerns against U.S. weapons manufacturers who have consolidated. They don't seem capable of ramping up military production. They don't seem 
nothing capable of winding down military bureaucracy that stymies production and innovation. They don't seem capable of doing any of those things. You can kind of understand why so many Americans are skeptical of helping Ukrainians when we ourselves can't help ourselves in our own backyard here and abroad to be able to take on China. There was an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal the other day about our supply chain and weapon supplies running so low, military commanders are starting to be concerned that if China were to step up its escalation quickly when it comes to Taiwan, we won't be able to do anything at all because we don't have the weapons to stop them, which probably is why the Chinese are escalating. Which came first, the chicken, the egg? China's desire to escalate or the American military saying, hey, if they escalate, we're not going to be able to stop them because of our supply chain problems. I wonder what caused what. I have an important announcement I need to make on the program, and I need you all to know it. I got master's tickets. I'm going. Now, I was supposed to go last year, but we had sickness sweep the whole family. And I, I couldn't go at the last minute. But this year, I'm, I'm quarantining myself. I'm staying away from everyone. I'm going to the Masters. Uh, a, a listener of this program reached out to me and said, hey, I got two extra tickets. Uh, their family has legacy tickets. And he's like, we, we would love to take you and, and Charlie. And I was like, I don't care about Charlie, but I'm going. But I, I invited Charlie, and we're going. It'll be on Saturday. Be at the Masters. I am going to single-handedly like take as many cups as possible, make my own personal beer snake. I'm I'm gonna like dumpster dive and bring home as so many masters cups. My wife will threaten divorce over the amount of masters cups. Uh, I I intend to like stock the entire office with masters cups, and that's all you'll be allowed to drink out of are, are the used masters cups that I will lovingly wash myself. Now, also, if you're aspirational. Uh, Augusta National Golf Club has sent out the measurements for the grass. When you tee off, the grass will be cut to 5 16th of an inch length. The fairways will be 3 eighths of an inch length. Uh, the rough will be cut uh, 1 inch, uh, 1 and 3 eighths inches. The collars will be a quarter inch. The green surrounding space will be 5 16th of an inch, and the greens themselves will be an eighth of an inch high. I'm so excited. I realize most of you will never go to the Masters. I myself have spent 25 years trying to get tickets to the Masters. 25 years. And last year, when I got it, like E. coli sweeps through the whole house. This year, I don't care. I mean, I, I, I may be wearing Depends, but I'm going to the Masters. I want to see this in person. And I realize me talking about it means there will be a torrential downpour while I am there, and they won't be able to play, but I will see the course. I want to go see that course more than I want to see the golf tournament. I hear such grand and glorious things about it. No, I am not prominent enough to be invited. And were I invited to become a member of Augusta National, I don't have the money to cover it. I would have to use a lot like my business to pay for the call. I would do that, mind you. I would. I am a terrible golfer, but one day I want to play at Augusta National just to play at Augusta National. The place is gorgeous. I am so excited by the ability to be able to go. And I would like to think the listener who will remain nameless for his own sake um, for inviting me to go. I found the last two hotel rooms 
in Augusta. Do you know how much the Hampton Inn in Augusta is this week? It's like $1,000 for Hampton Inn. The Holiday Inn Express, about $1,000. It's insane. Uh, Airbnbs out there are through the roof. It's just incredible. Um, Okay, I got to move on to other things. When we come back, I will take your phone calls, uh, 877-973-7425. I'll spend time on the phones with you. I also do want to set the stage for the other foreign policy stuff out there that we do need to hear about. But also, uh, the Republican candidates who are running beyond DeSantis and Trump and Ace Hutchinson, Nikki Haley's gotten a big endorsement out there, uh, growing rumors about Tim Scott staffing up his campaign, and um, also what happened to Mike Pompeo. We'll get to that. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, happy to have your phone calls, but we got other stuff to talk about too. And a lot of it is rather important stuff. If you've been a regular listener for, I mean, since day one of the show, January 11th, 2011, or you've kept up with me in the past from when I was at Red State or Fox or CNN or wherever, uh, you have probably known, as my team knows, so I grew up in Dubai. <laughs> There's an inside joke there. I, I I have more than once started a conversation like that with Charlie and Phil, but they're like, yes, we know. You tell us all the time. But it did. Uh, and I raised that issue with you here because I am aware at this point in American history, a lot of Americans do not really care about our foreign policy. In fact, A lot of Americans would prefer if we had no foreign policy and just looked inward, but foreign policy continues to matter. And there are ripples within foreign policy that have spillover effect to us domestically, and we're starting to get a sense of those. For example, the Washington Post is running a story uh, lionizing Joe Biden's foreign policy. The headline, on foreign policy, Biden's gut is his guide. The subtitle, The president often rejects the views of aides and experts in favor of his long-honed instincts. I mean, this is a a hagiographic portrayal of Joe Biden's foreign policy uh, with with background sources and friends of Joe Biden saying, Joe's just the best. Joe understands foreign policy like no other. Except, of course, there's Barack Obama's quote, to uh, never underestimate Joe Biden's the Joe Biden's ability to f things up, and there is his Secretary of Defense's uh, key, uh, quote that Joe Biden has been wrong on every major foreign policy issue in the last fifty years. Just so you understand, again, you have. Robert Gates, the George Bush and Barack Obama Secretary of Defense, saying Joe Biden has been wrong about every major foreign policy event for 50 years. And you have Barack Obama himself saying never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up, except he didn't say F. It's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence at all that 
the Washington Post rushes out a story complimenting Joe Biden's foreign policy on the same day the news is breaking that he lied about the Chinese spy balloon, that it got more intelligence than we were told, and that the Biden administration couldn't stop it but could have shot it out of the sky and chose not to. That all matters greatly. It also matters because of a very obscure story my buddy Joe Cunningham highlighted for me last night. The U.S., this is from the Wall Street Journal, has rallied its European allies behind a $60 a barrel cap on purchases of Russian crude oil, but one of Washington's closest allies is now buying oil at prices above the cap. Japan says it needed to ensure access to Russian energy. So the U.S. is allowing them to buy Russian oil. Japan has stepped up its purchase of natural gas from Russia. It's the only group of seven nations not to supply weapons to Ukraine. And he's also the last G7 leader to visit Ukraine after Russia's invasion. You got that. Um, Japan wants Russian oil and natural gas, and the U.S. really can't stop it from doing it. It's been given the exception Uh, At a time that we're trying to crush Russia economically, Japan and China are both throwing Russia a lifeline. And frankly, given Japan's situation and its lack of oil and natural gas, it really doesn't have a choice. But wait, there's more. Brazil and China are going to start trading uh, in the Chinese currency and not the U.S. dollar. Since World War II, The United States' currency has been the world's reserve currency and the world's preferred trading currency. Uh, The United States gets a benefit internationally by having the United States as the world's reserve currency uh, because it means that other countries buy our money and keep our currency flowing, and also our currency is more readily available around the world. That also translates into another perk for being the United States, which is when countries trade between each other, they value their trades in the U.S. dollar. By valuing their trades in the U.S. dollar, that helps the United States economically and helps the dollar in access around the world be on the uptake. But now China and Brazil are saying, no, this comes after the Biden administration made a big deal of supporting the current president of Brazil, who in turn thanked the Biden administration by by welcoming the Iranian Navy to the ports of Brazil for the first time in history. The first time Iran has landed its ships in the Western Hemisphere. Where is the Monroe Doctrine? Nowhere to be seen around Joe Biden. On top of that, you've got China negotiating the peace deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. You've got now the Indians thinking they will stop using the United States as their trading currency and will instead either use the Chinese currency or their own currency and will not require that trades be conducted in the U.S. dollar. Notice the pattern. China works with Brazil to undermine the U.S. dollar. China works with Iran and Saudi Arabia to undermine the U.S. diplomatic presence in the Middle East. India works with China to undermine American currency reserves. Saudi Arabia works with China 
China is stepping up its presence around the world to essentially battle the United States for supremacy. Now, listen, I got to talk to those of you who consider yourselves isolationists who think just let China do it, we'll be fine. We actually won't be fine. There is a strain on the left and the right, particularly among some um, older conservatives on the right and libertarian-ish leaning young conservatives who are isolationists. We should just let the world deal with itself. Well, let's look inwardly. Let's move on. If China wants it, let them have it. Here's the problem with that. Uh, Because the United States is the reserve currency and the United States is the leader of the free world, everything benefits us. We get cheaper prices. We get cheaper access to money. We get cheaper supply of money. We get cheaper inventory from other countries. We get cheaper access to other markets. We get all of these things because we are the United States and we have this presence in the world. China is trying to undermine that presence. Us being the reserve currency, us being the trading currency of the world, all of that benefits American interest rates. Our interest rates are still lower than other global interest rates. Our inflation is still better than other countries' inflation. All of these things are better because we are the preferred currency of the world. You sit back and become more isolationist. You allow China to insert itself into the mix and allow China to become the world's reserve currency, to allow China to become the trading currency capital. You will see rates go up in this country. You'll have higher overall interest rates. The inflation will continue to go up in this country. Our ability to purchase goods will decline in this country. We will not get preferential trading practices from trading partners, which means your access to chips, your access to lithium, your access to batteries, your access to other precious metals, your access to food abroad. All of those things and those costs will go up. Quantities will diminish and costs will go up. That's what happens if you decide you want to go down the isolationist path of the United States. Now, I know there will be people who say, no, 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 that's not true. But, you know, there are people who say all sorts of stupid crap all the time, and it's not true. What is true is if the United States steps aside, if the United States allows China to bypass it, if the United States' currency is no longer the world's reserve currency, and if the United States' currency is no longer the currency for doing global trades, the United States gets hurt economically, and our costs go up, our inflation goes up, our interest rates go up. That's economics, maybe 201, not 101. It's a little more complex to understand why, but it's still true nonetheless. And the Biden administration is doing nothing to stop this. If you go back to when Barack Obama was president of the United States, one of the things that uh, Barack Obama did was go around the world on a world apology tour and seemed to suggest a new era of American foreign policy where the United States would accept his place as just one of 190-some-odd countries of the world. No better than, no worse than the other countries. We were equal with all the other countries. It was always naive to do. When Donald Trump took office, he set about a robust America-first foreign policy where America led the world again. And some countries bristled under it. They wanted to go back to Barack Obama. They liked allowing their clout on the world stage. But it was deleterious to us and to freedom around the world for us not to lead. Because you have countries like Germany that have screwed up domestically so much, they are now beholden to the Russians when it comes to their energy. 
And by the way, Donald Trump warned them, and you will recall they laughed at him when he said that this would happen, that if they wound down their uh, natural gas production and they wound down their nuclear power plants, they would be more and more dependent on Russia. He said that in his UN speech, and the German delegation laughed at him, and he turned out to be right. The Biden administration continues to perpetuate this. The world is moving beyond American influence, and that's not actually a good thing for the United States, but it seems the Biden administration doesn't really care to do anything about it. And this is, again, it's it's important to go back to the spy balloon. The, The Biden administration lied about the spy balloon. The Biden administration lied about China's ability to control the spy balloon. The Biden administration lied about China's release of the spy balloon. Biden administration lied about the alleged presumed initial destination of the spy balloon. They lied about all of these things, and China reads those as placating China, a recognition that the United States recognizes China's rise. And so much of our political discourse in Washington, D.C., among the left and the right, presumes the rise of China against us, and that's not good for freedom. It's not good for freedom of speech. It's not good economically for us. It's not good as far as international trade goes. None of these things are good, and yet the Biden administration continues to act that way. The Biden administration continues to allow China primacy. The Biden administration seems to be completely out of ideas on how to stop China from growing. There have to be ways to stop China. In fact, the odds are China is actually in decline. China's not ascendant. And China, by allowing us to, or by China pushing us aside and getting ahead of us, mitigates and slows their decline. The whole reason President Xi of China is doing what he's doing is because he has a nation of young men without wives who are nationalists who want to fight. And it is internally destabilizing to China to have all of these young men hungry for a fight with no fight to give them. And so he's looking for a fight to give them. And he sees our weakness and our weakness signals to him he can take us. And that's what he intends to do. There are ways to push back on it. But the Biden administration doesn't seem to want to. On top of that, it's impacting our economy. It's impacting our currency. It's impacting what other nations do. Japan has decided it has no recourse but to extract oil and gas from Russia because the Biden administration won't actually help them themselves because of the Green New Deal. This is pushing all of our allies into other corners outside of our own. We have hijacked ourselves to a Green New Deal and a national system of apology for daring to lead the world. And that will just accelerate China's rise in the world, even as China internally is more and more destabilized. That's a dangerous situation for everyone on this planet, and it's all thanks to Joe Biden, the man the Washington Post wants us to know, ignores his advisors and goes with his gut because he's just so brilliant. Now, you can be brilliant by going to EdenPureDeals.com and putting Eric in as a discount code on the front page of that site to get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier, but more importantly, it is an odor eliminator. So it eliminates dust. It eliminates pollen. It gets rid of the mold and the bacteria, but it also wipes out pet odors. Litter box odors, they're gone. Your wet dog odors, gone. Cooking odors in the kitchen, gone. Smoke odors, gone. Musty odors, gone. It takes care of them. I got a buddy of mine. He bought three of them, put them in a house. His wife and him bought, they wanted a uh, lake house. 
and they bought it from a couple who had been living in this lake house for years and years and years, smoking all the time. The house reeked of cigarette smoke. They fired up three Eden Pure thunderstorms, left them there for a weekend, came back. It had taken care of the smell. The Eden Pure thunderstorm can do that. I travel with mine. I keep it in my in my suitcase. So if I get in a hotel room and someone's been smoking or a rental car, I can plug it up and wipe out those odors. You can too. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You're saving $200. You're getting free shipping. So you got your upstairs covered, your downstairs covered, your basement or your RV or your travel bag or your car covered. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code E-R-I-C-K. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, you want to grow your business, reach out to First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com, where other lenders have been running around in circles and telling you, no, First Liberty might be able to help your business grow. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, need $750,000 or more, firstlibertyga.com. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help you. Let's see. Do I have time Let's see. Uh, Ken, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Thank you. Sure. Eric, I, I know you're a, you're a fan of uh, Nikki Haley. I don't know if you read the editorial uh, this morning in the Wall Street about her involvement with Boeing uh, as she was governor of South Carolina uh, to get that, uh, I guess it was 37 plant or whatever in, in Charleston. And also when she joined the board, uh, after she left the Trump administration. Yeah, yeah, I have not seen today's. I'll find it. Um, I will tell you, I'm, I've never been a big fan of giving government subsidy to attract business, uh, and they did in South Carolina. Now, my understanding at the time was that the legislature was going to go ahead and do this anyway and had a, a veto-proof majority. Um, so there was no reason to oppose them bringing that. But, yeah, after after she left the Trump administration, she joined Boeing's board. She then resigned, though, uh, from Boeing's board uh, when they took uh, government bailouts and uh, supported the XM Bank expansion. Haley has been a long opponent of the XM Bank. Uh, the XM Bank is essentially a bank Congress established to subsidize Boeing. Very few companies use it. It's the Export-Import Bank. And Boeing gets favorable trade terms from them. Haley had long been supportive of killing it. Uh, Boeing pushed very hard to continue it and then also took a bailout from the federal government. And Haley resigned from the board of Boeing after having done that. I'll check on the Wall Street Journal story. I'm looking on their website right now and don't see it. Um, But, yeah, you know, I mean, I've got a – I was critical at the time of – States, Georgia included, Georgia notorious for doing this where I am, giving taxpayer dollars to attract businesses to the state as opposed to just having a hyper-competitive environment whereby state businesses want to come to your state. Too many states, Texas, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, they all do this. They throw lavish amounts of money at Fortune 500 companies to try to attract them to the state. South Carolina did that with Boeing while Haley was governor. Uh, To her credit, she tried to argue they should level the playing field for everyone at the time. Uh, and the legislature just wanted to throw money at Boeing, and she wound up going along with it. She didn't have the votes to stop them anyway. Uh, and as a matter of fact, it has created a massive economic boon in the Charleston, South Carolina area, particularly for the aerospace industry. So it wound up paying for itself. Um, I want to talk about some of those candidates running, Haley, Pence, Pompeo. Is Pompeo even going to run when we come back? Um, and we got to get into the left-wing culture war as well. But let's talk about those candidates first when we come back. 